Well, I'm uh, very excited this morning. We finished our uh, series on atmosphere last week, and I believe the Lord really spoke to me. I don't know about you guys, but he really spoke to me about his presence and the atmosphere of his presence. And uh, you know what he's saying? He's saying we go from glory to glory. So we're just going to keep on going. And this week, uh, God has us talking about engaging deep waters. We're starting a new series called Engaging Deep Waters. Amen. So if you have your Bibles this morning, turn to Luke chapter 5. That's where we're going to start. But many Christians live their spiritual life much like they live their natural life. In your natural life, you know, we wake up, drink coffee, maybe put on the Today Show for a little bit, go to work, work a little bit, come home, cook. You know, that type of thing. Maybe watch our favorite show, go to bed, and do it all over again. And many people live their spiritual life that same way. Wake up, drink coffee, go to church, sing a few songs, listen to a little word, you know, maybe pray, and then go on back home and over and over and over. And we get kind of into a rut. But what God is telling us is, the Bible says that Jesus came that we might have life, but not just life. Life what? More abundantly. And he wants us to get into that fullness of life. Some of us have been satisfied with where we've been. Remember last week we talked about the, the, the enemy of best is good, isn't it? But God has called us to a much deeper life than we have now. Much deeper life than the mundane. Much deeper life to live. I mean, life is to be lived. And in order to do that, we must do what I call engage deep waters. Luke chapter 5, starting at verse 1, says this. says, so it was as the multitude pressed about him, talking about Jesus, to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Genesaret. And he saw two boats standing by the lake. But the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's. Later he would be called Peter. And asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. And when he had stopped speaking, now watch this. He said to Simon, look at this. Launch out into the deep. And let down your nets for a catch. He said, launch out into the deep. Now, you have to understand, uh, at this point, Peter's probably thinking, well, you know, I know that uh, you are rabbi. I know that you are a great teacher. You know many things about the law. Perhaps you are even the son of God. We've seen some miracles. But listen, I'm a fisherman. Okay? I've been fishing my whole life. We've been out there. We've done that already. And uh, so you're going to now tell me to do something that I know about. Now, if we were building a table or something like that, if we were sanding wood, because I know you're a carpenter, if we're doing something like that, then I might be more inclined to go, yeah, you know what you're talking about. But when you tell me to push my boat out a little deeper and launch out into the deep, I know this lake. My daddy fished this lake. 
My brothers fish this lake. I know about this lake. I know where the fish are. I know where the spot is where to cast my net. And now you're telling me that I need to launch out into the deep. And another version says, nevertheless, despite all that, at your word, at your word, I will launch out into the deep. Some of us this morning are at that place where God is speaking to us and telling us to launch out into the deep. And we're giving him all kinds of excuses. And not only are we giving him all kinds of excuses, but we're making excuses to ourselves. You know, we're talking to ourselves. I know God said do it, but I don't know if that's prudent right now. You know, I really need to, you know, do this thing over here and then I'll be prepared to do that. You know, I don't want to get baptized this week. I need to get myself together. How many have ever heard that? There's not enough time in the world to get yourself together to get baptized. All that you can do is get in that water and let the Lord clean you up inside out. Come on, somebody. And in order for us to go deeper in this relationship with God, what we must do is we must engage ourselves. You see, it doesn't happen by accident or happenstance. Going deeper is a purposeful, committed dedication to that final goal, which is the prize of the high calling. It's what we press toward, the prize of the high calling. Now, we are not unfamiliar with this concept of not being able to go deep. You ever been, how many people have ever been swimming? I think most people probably, some have not, most people have been swimming. You haven't been swimming in the summertime, maybe it's not the hottest day in the world, but it's a warm day. Maybe it's 80, you know, and uh, you go swimming, maybe you go with the kids, maybe you went with your cousins, you know, whatever, and you go to the pool, and you see the kids, they just run and jump right in the water. And you're thinking, man, I can't, it's kind of hot, the sun's out, I can't wait to get in the water. But then all of a sudden, you know, you get yourself together, you got your bathing suit on, your swimming trunks, hoping nobody's really looking at you. But, you know, you get up there, you know, to the edge and uh, you saw the kids jump in and you're thinking, I'm going to do that. But right when you get there, something's, wait a minute, just kind of stops you. And then you go, well, and then you put your foot in the water. And you say, well, it's a little cold. And the kid's going, come on, come on, daddy, jump in. And you say, well, is it cold? Well, it's a little cold at first, but once you get in, you get used to it. That's a lie. You know, you know the kids be lying to you. The kids lie to you that, that way, but that's okay. And so you just kind of wait. And then the more, and then you put your foot in again the second time. And now you know you confirmed it's cold. And the more you put your foot in, the more you talk yourself out of jumping in the water. And do you know that day going swimming, you, if, you, if you were there three hours, it took you one hour to get into the pool. You wasted a whole hour just trying to get in. It was still the same temperature when you finally got in. You might as well just get in at first. You see, this is what we do as Christians. This is what we do spiritually. We're all excited. We come to worship service. We're singing a song. You know, I'm trading my sorrows. We're singing these songs. And we're clapping and doing these things. And then when God calls us to do something, we're all excited about it. And then we put our toe in the water. Well, I don't know. Let's sing another song. You know, let's, let's do another song. Let's pray a little bit more. And God said, well, you sang songs, that's good. You've prayed, that's good. Now it's time to jump in. It's time to jump into the deep. It's time to live life. It's time to be outside of these four walls and still being a Christian. It's time to be on your job glorifying God with your speech, with your integrity. Come on. With the way you talk to people. 
God is saying, come on now, jump into the deep. And for us to be able to do that, we must engage the Lord. Here's what I mean when I say engage. When I say engage, we must occupy ourselves and become involved. We must take a step. It's a decision. We must make a pledge of our word and then we must assume the obligation. Once we've spoken it, now we must say that's on me. It's my responsibility now to now jump into the deep. We must encounter. We must navigate, not give up, but continue to navigate and purposefully embrace. We must purposefully embrace this thing. We must say, I'm in it to win it. I'm not looking back. I'm going straight ahead. I'm not going back anymore. Come on, somebody. I'm looking ahead. Bible says a man with his hand to the plow, what? Looking backward is not fit for the kingdom of heaven. Don't look backward. I mean, if you drive it in your car, you got a rear view mirror. You got a mirror over there on the side. So in case you want to change lanes, you might look in the mirror. You might glance real quick and then go ahead. And t- But listen, if you're looking backward, what's going to happen? You're going to crash. That's exactly right. Spiritually, if you live your life looking backward, what's going to happen? You're going to crash. You're not Amber. <laughs> That's right. You're not. You can't control it anyway. You can, now listen, there's decisions that we make, but the, but the car, the plane, the vehicle, the wind, that's controlled by the Lord. It's that you don't create a move of the Spirit. I've said this several times too. I've never ever been surfing in my life and really don't have a desire to do it. I, I, I watch them, but it's, you know, it's kind of like not my thing. Some of you guys might like surfing, but one of the things I read, I believe it was in the, the purpose driven life or the purpose driven church. And uh, he talked about, you know, how a surfer has to take his board out there, or her board, and then she gets into the water and he gets into the water and just waits for the waves to come. And they may be waiting a little while, but all of a sudden when that right wave comes, they get their board up, get on top of that thing, man, and they ride that wave in. You ever seen them surf like that? They cannot create a wave. They can't go out and say, okay, wave now. They got to wait for the wave. Here's what we do as Christians. We try to create a move of the Holy Spirit. We're trying to create it by the song, by singing a little harder, by preaching a little harder. Come on, somebody. By praying a little harder with the right words, we're trying to create a move of the Spirit. And what we need to do is be on point at all times, every moment of every day. So when that move of the Spirit comes, we can grab our board, get on that thing, and ride where God has taken us. That's what we need to do. Every moment of every day, we need to be ready. The Bible says in season and what? Out of season. We need to be ready. God's going to take us to the deep water. Here's what it requires. It takes a devotion. Come on. It takes a passion. We're going to talk about that in a moment. It takes a relationship with the Lord. You must have a relationship. You can't just use uh, lip service. It's got to be relationship. And it takes worship. To go deeper in the Lord, it's going to take your worship. Now, I'm not just talking about the worship in the worship service that we do, although that's a big part of it. But remember, Abraham said, me and the boy are going to worship. And he was going to kill him. He was going to kill some things off. Some of us need to kill some things off. You know, I remember David when, uh, you know, when he had uh, his son with Bathsheba and the Lord killed 
the thing. And then, he, you know, David was there weeping and, you know, on the floor crying and all that. Listen, some of us are crying for some things that we need to just let die. There's some things that we need to let die in order for us to move on. And so in our worship, that's what we do. We worship the Lord and we let those things die off. Some of it could be some relationships. Mm. Come on. Maybe a job. Now, don't just go quit your job. But we don't know what it could be. A habit, an addiction. Come on. We need to let those things die off because we'll never get, we'll never be able to press into the kingdom with those things that so easily beset us. They're just hindrances. And you say, well, you know, Paul had a thorn in his side. Yeah, but Paul's heart was toward the Lord. He asked the Lord to remove it. How many of us are asking the Lord, remove that thing? And when we ask him to remove it, he's going to remove it his way. Come on, you can't say, well, let me go over here in the closet. Now, just take it out real quick. No, that's not how he works. It, when, you, when you say, when you pray, and then you say, in Jesus' name, what you're really saying is, Lord, however you want to do it, when you want to do it, the way you want to do it, I'm giving it up to you. When you say, in Jesus' name. If you don't mean that, don't say, in Jesus' name. Because that's what it means. It's his thing. It's his life, Brother Carter. Come on. It's all about him. It's not about us. And so we need to let some things die. I'm going to put this declaration. How many want to go deeper in the Lord? How many really want to go deeper in this life? I mean, you're just not satisfied with where you are. Come on. And I don't care what level you are in your spiritual walk. We all can go from glory to glory. I don't care if you've been saved for 30 years because there's some folk been saved for 40 years, still a baby Christian. I don't care if you've just been saved for five years. There's some folk that have been saved for five years and at the height of the level of maturity that you can be for a five-year-old Christian. Come on. And so it doesn't matter. I don't care where you are in your walk with the Lord. We all can go from glory to glory. And I believe a call is coming out from the Lord, not only for this church and for this people, but for the church as a whole to jump into the deep water. In other words, to use my best English, he's saying it's about to get real. You know, some things about to go down. And you need to be ready. You need to be able to jump into this deep water. Because if you're standing on the shore, if you're standing on the side, this thing is going to move right past you. And you're going to be waiting for, to, you know, slaughter some lambs. Or you're going to be waiting for the fire or a big booming voice from the sky as the world looks for a move of God. But he said, I have written my law on your heart. My spirit has filled. Why look here and look there? The kingdom of God is within you. And so you better be ready to jump into this thing. This is what God is telling us. And so I want us to declare this thing together. In my definition of going deeper, our desire to go deeper, we need to push past our personal hindrances. Listen, I want us to say this. Can you read that? I don't know if you can read that or not. Come on, let's say that together. One, two, three, go. I will push past my personal hindrances and distractions and wade into the deep waters of God's presence with my praise, worship, and open heart of expectation. We need to come into his presence with an open heart of expectation. You know what one of the personal hindrances is for us? is that we've been hurt before. You know, we've been offended before. And so we're not really going to open our heart. We're not going to be that person that puts our heart on our sleeve. We're not going to take a chance and jump in the deep water because I've been there, done that, and I got hurt last time. And so now I'm just going to be kind of cautious. 
But God is saying, listen, I would never, I would never leave you. I will never forsake you and I will never hurt you. I remember when I was young and I was just, my mom took me to the YMCA and uh, in Columbus, Ohio and said, you're going to learn how to swim. And I was probably about five years old. And I went there, and uh, some of you guys might know, like Brother Jay, you might have heard of Archie Griffin. I know you don't like Ohio State, but he's the only two-time Heisman Trophy winner in the history of college football ever. <laughs> he said he's a well-paid college athlete, okay? <laughs> but uh, actually, his brother Ray was teaching at the Y. And so when I went there to learn how to swim, the first thing he did, I, you know, we didn't we didn't get in the water and kind of wade in, you know, a little bit and get, you know, used to it. First thing he did was he jumped down in the water. He was on the side, and I was standing right here, and he touched the water like this and said, now go ahead and jump in. I said, say what? I haven't even, I haven't even put my toe in the water to see if it was cold. I haven't done anything. He just said, go ahead and jump in. And it took me about 10 minutes to just jump in the water. But he was right there saying, look, jump in. I'm right here. I'm right beside you. What can possibly happen? I'll catch you when you jump in. If you go down and can't get back up, I'll bring you back up. I'm right here. And finally, I was able to get up enough nerve to jump in the water. Don't you know I didn't want to get out? When it was time to go, I was having so much fun getting out, jumping in, getting out, jumping in. It was the best time of my life. God is saying that to us. Jump in the water. I'm right here. I'm right here waiting on you. And if you would jump in the deep, you would find out what this life is all about. You would see right now. Listen, we're living in the matrix. Okay, we're living with a veil over our eyes. Right. We're just thinking, you know, we're going through life. Maybe we make a little money. Maybe we don't have some money sometimes. Whatever it might be, things are going good. One day your wife makes you a pie, you know, so that's a good thing. And then, uh, you know, we're just going through life and we're satisfied with all those things. But listen, when you jump in that deep thing and God removes that veil from your eyes, you're going to be like, oh, I never knew all this was out here. I never knew. That it was like this. I never knew what God had for me. I never knew what God had for the church. And so he's telling us to go ahead and jump in. He says, when he had stopped speaking, he told Simon, launch out into the deep. Listen, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. But as long as we're looking to the left, to the right, to the back, down there, God is saying, I got it all right here. I didn't even leave a little bit over here for you to get. I got it all. That's what he's saying. Look to me and every, I am that I am. First time he revealed himself in that way is that's what he said. I am. Who should I tell them that sent me? I am. I am that I am. I am everything that you will ever want, desire, and need. I am all of those things. And until we can get that, see, it's a heart issue. Until we can understand that and get that down in our heart, we're going to be tentative about jumping into the deep. You know what we might do? We might do that Ezekiel 47 thing. You know, where you go in, he said you go in ankle deep, right? And you just got your ankles and you satisfy with that. That's enough. That's okay. I'll just leave it right there. I'm good. You know, I won't go any further. Ankle deep, that's, those are the folks that I call, sometimes they come to service half asleep. You know, they kind of halfway singing. They really don't care too much about what's going on, you know, around them. Yeah, look what the Lord has done. Not even on beat, you know. 
They clap it on one and three. Don't even know what's happening. Right? Don't know when to stomp their foot. And then they just sit down and say, I'll wait till y'all get done singing. Then you know what they do? Leave church and say, well, worship wasn't all that great today. Well, I don't know about if worship wasn't all that great. I think the worshiper wasn't all that great today. Worship is always great. God is always speaking. God is always moving. If ever you come into a worship service and worship wasn't all that great, might be time to look into the mirror. Come on. Then we get out a little bit further and we're knee deep in it. That's these folks that they sing a little bit more and they really feel like they're doing their reasonable service. I'm here. I'm, I'm doing my thing. But they get a little distracted. But still, they look, I didn't came to church. You know, I didn't sang all the songs and God ought to be happy with that. That's what they say. That's when you get out there and you're knee deep. Some go a little bit further. They're waist deep in the thing. Those are the ones that are really worshiping. But still, any little thing can distract them. They can be really into it, and all of a sudden, they see somebody. Look what she's wearing. You know, you, you, you waste deep in it, but you get distracted too easy. Here's where God wants us to go. He wants us to go into the deep waters. The deep waters is where you sink or swim. You're all the way in it. Deep waters are where you, can, you cannot touch the ground. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about jumping into 12 foot. Right? And where your feet can't touch the ground. You're going to have to do something. You got to doggy paddle. You got to do something. Because, you you know, if you just sit there, you're going down. These are the waters that God is telling us about this morning. I'm past my distractions of shallowness. And I focus my heart, my mind, and all of my passion on the Lord. I'm going to give God my very best sacrifice. I'm going to give him my very best praise. I'm going to give him my very best worship, not because of what he's done for me, but because of who he is and everything is in him. There's nowhere else to go. When all those, when everyone, when all his disciples were leaving him, Jesus turned to his closest disciples and said, will you leave me too? You know what they said? Well, Lord, I, where are we going to go? <laughs> where are we going to go? You have the words of life. Where can I go? That's where we need to be. Where can I go? I don't care what happens. I don't care if there's wars. I don't care about health care and politics. I don't care about whatever it is, gas prices, whatever you want to name, all that kind of stuff. We need to be able to say, where else would I go, Lord? I am here with you. I can talk about all that other stuff, but at the root of the thing, I'm here with you. You tell me what to do. And that's what, that's where we need to be. Worship creates an atmosphere where God moves in with his presence and he draws us into deep water. Now listen, if you desire to worship and if you desire to wade beyond the shallow waters, you, listen, I'm going to tell you something now. You have to honestly acknowledge where you are right now. You got to come to a realization that this is, you can't, you can't be something that you're not. You know, if you're, if you're still a baby Christian and you've been a Christian for 20 years, you can't say, well, it's a little embarrassing, so I'm just going to act like I'm a little more mature than I am. No, you got to acknowledge where you are. When you talk about addictions, first thing they got to do is say, well, this is where I am, right? I've never been to one of those meetings, but I understand they got to stand up and say, well, my name is Michael, you know, and I'm addicted to football. And I, I've been addicted for years. <laughs> you know, you have to acknowledge it. You got to say where you are. Know where you are. And then you need to begin to speak where you're going to be. All you need to do is acknowledge it between you and the Lord. This is where I am, God. 
but this is not where I want to stay. I know where I want to go. I'm not where I should be, and I'm not where I want to be. So help me out, Lord. Deuteronomy 10.7 says they moved there to Goodgo, and from Goodgo to Jophthah, a land with rivers that don't dry up. Why do I use that scripture? It's because God is telling us, come out here into the deep. See, if you go to the ankle deep part, you know, you ever been to a little creek? Maybe to catch some crawdads or something like that, I don't know, or just play around with some twigs. You know, some of the boys probably know what I'm talking about, the men, you know, when you were boys and you went over to the creek. And when it doesn't rain for a long time, that thing can just dry up. It can just dry up. God is saying, come on out here to this place where it's, it's, a, it's, it's full of rivers and water, full of life, and this place never dries up. Constant water flow. Rivers of life. This is where God is calling us to. Isaiah 55.1 says, Come, everyone who is thirsty. Here is water. Come, you, listen, that have no money. This is the word of God. Buy grain and eat. Come, buy wine and milk. It will cost you nothing. Just make a step toward me and come out into the deep. You know Psalm 42, it says, as the heart panteth after the water brooks, so my soul pants after thee. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My soul thirsts for him. And in 2 Corinthians 3, 16 says, nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Remember I said, we're, it's like we're in the matrix somewhere. But he said, when you turn to the Lord and you make a declaration, I am going to jump into the deep. And you make it your obligation, you make it your responsibility to do this thing. The veil then is taken away. Now, the Lord is the spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There is freedom. Come on. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from what? Glory to glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. He is transforming us. This is something that the world can't do. Listen, you know, Romans 12.1 says, Be ye transformed and be not conformed. Here's the difference in those two words. When you are conformed, that's outer forming you. It's like putting a substance into a glass or a bowl. That thing will conform to the shape. And that's what the world will do. It will conform you. But transform comes from a word that means the same thing as metamorphosis. And that's from the inside out. God transforms us from the inside out into what he wants us to be. That's why Paul said, be ye transformed, not conformed. But God will transform us. Now, here's the thing. Here's the, here's the thing. We're going to get to the nitty-gritty of the whole thing. We we saying, yeah, we want to go to the deep. Uh, I really don't know what that is yet, but that's where I want to go. And that's all right. That's what we need to say. Lord, I'm not exactly sure what it all is, but I want to jump into the deep. Because I know it's an abundant life. I know that. I know it's an overcoming life. I know that's what it is. Here's the thing, though. Here's where it hits home with us. Push out into the deep. Here's what we need to realize is that it is your own personal decision. 
God is always moving. The rivers are always flowing. But whether you jump in or not is your own personal decision. And what I want to tell you is, it's your decision, now listen, to thirst. It's your decision to then drink. It's your decision to draw. It's your decision to worship and to love God. Did you know it's your decision to even thirst? I'm not talking about just a little thirst where you maybe jog a little bit and you get a little thirsty and you drink water that quenches your thirst. I'm talking about the thirst that water doesn't quench. That is your decision to be thirsty for God. It's your decision to say, I want more of you, Lord. That's up to you. You can go through life. You can go to church every day uh, for the rest of your life and not ever thirst for the Lord. And guess what? You'll never receive anything from him. You might even get heaven, but you'll never receive anything from him. It's your decision to thirst. Listen to John 7, 37 and 38. It says, on the last day of the feast, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture have said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But you have to make the decision to thirst. You have to make that decision. And then you need to make a decision to drink. He says, behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For Yah is the Lord. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has also become my salvation. Therefore, with joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. Now, listen to what he's saying here. This is from Isaiah chapter 12. This is the Lord speaking. And he's telling us. If you are thirsty and you make a decision to be thirsty, if you, if you want to drink and you make a decision to drink, then it's up to you to come and draw. He said, therefore, with joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. You have to draw it. If you don't draw it, it's not going to be given to you. It's up to you. It's your decision to draw, to move water from its source to an area of use. Because now it's just sitting there. The water that's designed for you is there sitting, waiting, doing nothing. You need to draw that thing into you where God can use it in you. Psalm 138 says, I will worship towards your holy temple. David made a declaration. I will worship towards your holy temple and praise your name, your loving kindness, and your truth. For you have magnified your word even above all your name. Now what you have to remember is right here, David was going through some things. Come on, David, I mean, people all around and they were trying to kill him. He had, he had committed adultery and murder. Come on. And uh, the people were talking about how to overthrow him. You know, his friends had left him. He only had a few left. I mean, he was going through some things. And in the midst of all of that, he said, I will worship towards your holy temple and I will praise your name for your loving kindness. That's what he said. Psalm 59, 16, but I will sing of your power. Yes, I will sing aloud of your mercy in the morning. Psalm 18, 1, I will love you, O Lord, my strength. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. 
Psalm 29 says, Give unto the Lord, O you mighty ones. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due His name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. These are decisions that we have to make in the midst of it. And these decisions don't have anything to do with our circumstances. They don't have anything to do with what's up here. But everything to do with what's in here. Psalm 95, 6. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. We need to make a decision to worship the Lord. We need to make a decision, as we said last week, to press into his prayer. Where else are you going to go? Where else are you going to go? You think the bank going to treat you right? Let me tell you something. We, we, had, we had opened up a bank account. I don't know how many years ago that was. I don't know, Dietrich, like, don't tell the story. We opened up this account for the kids. She did it, actually, not me. But she, she I know, she forethought, right? I'm, kids, I figure, you know, I work, they can eat, you know. But she opened the account, you know, for the kids for later. I don't know, maybe for college or something, you know, whatever it, was, whatever it was. So we put a little money in there. And I think we had it up to two, three hundred dollars, you know, something, just a little. And then we forgot about it. We forgot we even had, this was years ago, maybe 20 years ago, something like that. How old is Nia? Maybe 15 years ago. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, and we just, it, we just, we just forgot that we even had the account. Well, we went to pay off another bill there. Thank the Lord, paying off a bill. I love that. And, uh, we paid that thing off, man. And then she remembered, oh, you know, wait a minute. We had a, an account here and, uh, I just want to check on it and see how much is in there. You know how much was in that account? $7.52. Oh yeah. Seven dollars. I said, wait a minute. That was our money. Her money that, that we put into the bank. What happened? She said, well, something about they say, if you don't have some activity, you know, then they just start taking money out, fees and all. You think the bank going to be good to you? The bank's not going to be good to you. That's your money. It's my money. And I want it now. <laughs> now, you cannot rely. Now, I'm not talking, you know, of course, we need the banks. We need all those things. But listen, I'm saying, where will you put your trust? Where will you put your trust? Where are your passions, folks? Where are your passion? Because where your passion is, it draws everything to it. Remember in Matthew 6 where it says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also? Notice sometimes we misquote that. I, I used to kind of get it mixed up to see which way it was. And I thought, well, it doesn't matter which way you say it. You know, where your heart is, there will your treasure be also. No, it's not what he said. He said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That thing that you treasure, where you put your passion, your heart follows and puts it right there. Your heart goes wherever your treasure is. Where is your passion? Is your passion for the Lord? Or do you set your passions on yourself? Because if you set your passions on yourself, all of your decisions will be drawn to you. All of your resources will come from you. Because you actually worship yourself. But we need to push out. And listen, if you don't do it, God will not frustrate you. He will not make you do it. Not on this. You just go through life with blinders on. He won't frustrate you because you didn't do it. He's wooing you all the time. But if you make the decision not to, guess what? It's on you. That's just on you. And then people complain about it. It's on you. 
It's like never putting gas in your car and one day going out there and then the car don't start and you just cursing out Ford and everybody else, this stupid car don't start. You ain't put gas in it. That's on you. So we need to take that responsibility as Christians. You want to live an overcoming, abundant life? Then it's on you. We need to make decisions to follow his principles. We can't complain and say, well, you know, at least I did go to church or at least I did do this. God wants your heart. It's not about what you do. We can't complain. Listen, God wants us to get to this place. I'm almost done here. God wants us to get to this place where we totally and unequivocally trust him. And there's no, we don't look anywhere else. Like we said, where will I go, Lord? I'm not going to look to the left. I'm not going to look to the right. I simply just trust you. Whatever you say, Lord, that's what I'll do. Whatever you say, that's what I'll say. Whatever you tell me to do, that's what I'll do. We need to get to the place where we trust him. But we don't. We say it with our mouth. And see, what will really tell us if we trust him or not are our actions. Come on. I'm talking about your checkbook. I'm talking about how you talk to your friends. I'm talking about what you watch on TV. Come on. Our actions will tell us if we really trust the Lord or not. And see, the world will promise you a lot of things. You know, the enemy went up and he promised uh, Jesus. He said, listen, I'll give you the world if you would simply bow down to me. But Jesus just came back with the word of God. And that's what we need to do. We need to say, listen, I don't know about you. Some trust in chariots. Some trust in horses. But we will trust in the name of the Lord, our God, who is our maker. Listen, Psalms 20 says, some trust in chariots. And listen, Jeremiah 17, blessed is the man. You want to be blessed? Who wants to be blessed? Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. Now let us push out into the deep. Let us come to grips with our spiritual hunger and thirst. Let us reach deep into the Lord. God says, search me while I may be found. Seek my face while I may be found. Search me out. Come find me. Come do it. I'm here. I'm waiting. When will you come? You want to be blessed. You keep complaining. Yet I'm still here waiting for you to come to me. Last scripture, Revelation 22, he says, and he showed me a pure river, water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne. Listen to this now. Proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb in the middle of the street and on either side of the river was a tree of life which bore 12 fruits, each yielding its fruit every month. I'm saying this for a purpose. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And the spirit of the bride says, come and let him who hears say, come and let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him take of the water of life freely. I am talking about a river, folks, that always has life. It has constant life. It never dries up. Every resource, everything that you will ever need is always there for you. This is what God is telling you. How can we resist that? I just don't understand. I look in the mirror and say, how can I not trust the Lord and put everything I have into him? You ever seen somebody at Vegas or somewhere they gambling and they say, well, I'm all in. 
You know, they put, uh, maybe they won, you know, $1,000, and now they're pushing all their chips into the middle of the table saying, I'm betting on whatever it is. I don't know even how you gamble there, but, you know, whatever it is they bet on, they push it all. And other people go, ooh, you putting everything in there? All of that? Oh. And it's a big chance. Maybe it's 50-50 or whatever the chances are. I mean, you could win big or you could lose everything. Here is what God is saying to us today. He's saying, put all your chips in the middle of the table. Jump deep into the water. And there is no you could do this or do that. There's only one thing that can happen, and that's that you win big. That's the only thing that can happen. There is nothing else that can happen. All you can do is win big.